Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. This week, I have a special guest, Natalie Vecchioni. Say hi. Hi. She's actually going to be on two episodes, and this first episode, I'd like the listeners to hear your story. So I'm just going to let you talk. Tell us about yourself and your family. So um, my name is Natalie, and my husband, John, and I, are the proud parents of two amazing kids. Our son is almost 19 years old, and we adopted him when he was two and a half weeks old through a domestic adoption, closed adoption. Our daughter is almost six years old, and we adopted her at birth. She is actually a very, our adoption journey with her is a a very open adoption. Uh, Her birth mother was actually one of my flute students and uh, one of our son's babysitters when we were living in Pennsylvania. Uh, My husband and I have been married for almost 26 years. We, um, when we met in college, I found out at a very young age that I had very severe endometriosis Mm. and actually just before my husband and I started dating, I had my first laparoscopy. Um, I had symptoms beginning at 16, and uh, just before my 21st birthday, I had my first laparoscopy. The doctor, the surgeon, uh, was very reassuring uh, before going in, and, and afterwards, she said, yours is one of the worst cases I've mm. ever seen. Wow. I'm so sorry that nobody believed you. You know, we I had seen several specialists prior to her, and they all said, oh, you're too young and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when my husband and I started dating and when, you know, we knew we were serious, I told him um, there's a really good chance I'm not going to be able to either be pregnant or to carry full term. And his reply was, I don't love you because you can get pregnant. I love you because you're you. And if you can't get pregnant, then we will adopt. So that's when I knew the Lord placed him in my life for um, an amazing purpose. So we married right after college. We married young. Mm -hmm. And at the encouragement of, we had moved from North Carolina, we went to grad, uh, we went to East Carolina University for undergraduate school, go Pirates, mm. and we went, moved after uh, we were done with undergrad, we moved to Miami and went to graduate school in Miami, and after we were married, we started 
trying to conceive Mm -hmm. uh, while we were in graduate school because the specialist and the surgeon said you need to the the earlier the better if, if you're going to even be able to get pregnant okay so what I learned while I was trying to get pregnant was that I was getting sicker uh endometriosis feeds off of hormones yeah and uh with each try I would get sicker and sicker and subsequently would have more surgeries and we had one last attempt we we attempted in vitro and uh, after we were both done with graduate school and it resulted in in losing of um I had lost one ovary uh, during one attempt and the second ovary was was pretty much toast mm. uh, and uh, we learned at that point in 1998 that I could not conceive so we went from uh, 90 miles an hour towards trying to conceive to a complete stop and really reevaluating our lives and realizing that for me a a, a total hysterectomy would actually be a improvement in right. the quality of my life. Right. So in 1999, I had a total abdominal hysterectomy at the age of 28. Hmm. It's not something I would recommend for everyone. However, due to the nature of the severity of our endometri- my endometriosis, it was a dramatic improvement in my quality of life. Um, I, I Menopause at 28, surgical menopause was mm-hmm. definitely... A struggle. Um, I, I, you know, 21 years later, I'm still dealing with the repercussions of such an early menopause, but that's okay because I really feel like, um, you know, God gave me a second chance with my body in terms of having the hysterectomy. Right. So uh, in 2000, we started uh, pursuing domestic adoption. We started our home study. We started all of the paperwork, all that stuff. And, and it took us about a year to get everything compiled and ready and home studies and everything. And in 2001, we were approved, you know, for a domestic adoption. And then September 11th hit and the agency we were with, which was a, uh, a nonprofit faith-based agency said, uh, all of our birth mothers are actually not placing anymore and um we're making we're suggesting to everybody who's waiting that you look for a secondary or even a third agency as we're not having many placements actually any placements so in 2002 my husband and I you know just we we prayed and we were looking for another agency Mm -hmm. and we found the agency uh with whom uh son was placed with us they actually were seeking married christian couples which is really unheard of at the at at that time and uh on the day unbeknownst to us uh on the day our son was born was actually the day we completed our paperwork for that agency oh wow and uh he was an emergency c-section his birth mother did not have prenatal care in fact she hid her pregnancy Mm. and um we later, many you know, years later, and officially 15 years later, found out that she had not only smoked, but she drank during her pregnancy. Uh, she was very young. She was 19. 
And um, when our son was born, he was in, in the NICU for a while, and then he was on the pediatric medical unit until he was ready to be placed. They did that because they did not want to have to put him in foster care and then uh, right. place him again. So we received the phone call for our son uh, in August of tw- uh, 2002, and he was two and a half weeks old. And the social worker said, uh, we have a birth mother who's chosen you and your husband. Hmm. And of course, I, I started crying. Right. And uh, my husband was still at work. I was at home. I was crying. And the first thing the social worker said to me was, you know, he's a boy. And I, I was very happy. I had always thought in my mind growing up that I'd have a son and a daughter. And, and hmm. God definitely provided um, in, in two amazing ways. So we had our son and we were told he had a lot of medical needs, mm. which I wrote, wrote down and we, we learned about. Again, all of these medical needs were related to his prenatal exposure to alcohol and his lack of ma- maternal, uh, right. his lack of birth, uh, care. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure what Sandra told you about us, but we have um, a son very similar to yours and similar in age who was born prematurely um, in Poland, but doesn't really make any difference where you're born. The effects of alcohol, and he was um, in the hospital from September to January receiving care. They don't call it the exact same thing over there. Right, you know, right. the NICU, the PICU, all that. But um, then moved to an orphanage Yeah. until yeah. we were able to go adopt him. And that wasn't until we were not able to bring him home until he was 19 months old, which means that compounded yes. the issues yes. that he already had being in an orphanage for babies. Yes. You don't get the care no matter how loving and caring the people are. Yes. You don't get the individual care that you need. So I thought that was interesting when Sandra would, Sandra Flack told me about you. And I guess yes. she told me. You're a friend of mine, and she also told me about you, too. Right. So I was like, I need to get to know this lady. And then you sent me an email. And I was like, okay, God, you, you ordained this. You put this together because she has been telling me, you got to talk to her. There's so many similarities between your youngest and her oldest. Yeah, and, yeah um, there are. And um, it, what you're describing in your son, I'll talk about in, in our next episode. Right. But, um, you know, we know that prenatal alcohol exposure is is prenatal trauma to the brain mm-hmm. and to the body, you know. Um, and then when you put lived exposure, either orphanage, foster care, um, you know, abusive home, when you put that lived exposure of trauma on top of the prenatal trauma, you have layers of trauma that as a parent or caregiver, you have to start from the beginning and start with hardware, which is the brain. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the software, which is the lived experience. So, right. um, yeah, it's it's amazing what we've learned in this journey. Um, so right. the social worker told us that uh, he was born. Um, she gave us his birthday, which was actually my husband's birthday. Mm-hmm. My son and my husband were born on the same day. And that's when I knew that. The Lord had placed this this little boy in our life for for many reasons. So we brought him home, and uh, he was considered to be medically complex. So we had a lot of specialists. We were living in Philly at the time, 
Um, we had learned that uh, he had, well, we learned that um, we had a verbal um, kind of confirmation of uh, prenatal alcohol exposure shortly before his second birthday. He was uh-huh. regressing a lot in his development. And um, we were told, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, we were told by uh, a neurologist that he had suspected prenatal alcohol exposure. However, it was never written down. So we did not get an official diagnosis of FASD for our son until he was 15, almost 15. Years. Oh my goodness. My son yeah. too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 15, <laughs> 15. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Among other, many, many other diagnoses at the same time. Yes. Yes. And um, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, uh, a whole bunch of other diagnoses and yeah, medical diagnoses. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, oh my goodness, I, I definitely, I know we were meant to <laughs> be, be talking and speaking. Right. So, um, yeah, so his adoption journey was very complicated. His birth mother stopped writing to us when, just before his, I, I believe his third birthday. We mm. don't know anything about his birth father. Um, we have very little information except for, you know, what the information that we have. And um, so his adoption journey has been very complicated, um, very challenging, however beautiful at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, broke me, broke me as a mom and broke me as a person, especially when he was hospitalized and we finally received his his diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, that led me to, um, it led me to just listen to the Lord more so than I was already and, and start this path of advocacy and start this path of um, what we consider FASD hope to be is, a, is like a ministry. Um, right. So your ministry, mission. your ministry was born out of his pain and your pain. Yes. And Honey. I think that's the most powerful ministry you can have. Yeah. And so many ministries are born out of that, you know? Yes. Um, so, yeah. So that's our journey with him. He's now almost 19 years old. He, we moved to the farm country of North Carolina. Mm. Uh, we've been living in North Carolina for five years, but moved uh, to where we're living at now three years ago because we have a little under four acres. We live in a, on a hobby farm surrounded by big farms Mm -hmm. And uh, the layout of our farmhouse is that our son has his own in-law suite above the garage. And then my husband, my daughter, and I live in the main part of the house. And we're actually this year going to start transforming one of our detached workshops into a tiny house for our son. Oh, wow. Um, Because we realized that we just don't want to think, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. We just want to think about now. And he's not. Uh, he's definitely not in a developmental uh, age to be independent. He doesn't right. have the executive functioning. He doesn't have that. However, he wants to have some independence. And when we bought this house and this property, we saw that. We saw that vision in that. And we felt like the Lord was bringing us out here for that purpose. Um, so we're actually going to convert one of our workshops into a tiny house for him this year so he can have his own space, but yet have us, you know, right, right there nearby. Uh, so, and he is, he finished homeschooling last year. Mm-hmm. 
is a carpentry apprentice. Uh, he works part-time because uh, he's, his brain is just not able to do the full-time thing, yep. which is an accommodation, and we recognize that. And he also is just finished his part-time computer coding classes, and now he's going to do an internship in that. So he's kind of got two part-time things. And he explained to me, actually, he reminded me yesterday that um, he <laughs> he loves the computer coding because it keeps his brain busy, and he needs oh, that. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and he loves mm-hmm. carpentry because it keeps his hands busy, and he loves that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's his story. He is my miracle. Both of our children are, are miracles. And our daughter has a 180 completely different uh, adoption journey. So uh, we decided we were uh, ready. When we started homeschooling seven years ago, my husband and I prayed. And, you know, uh, my son and I had always wanted for him to have a sibling. Mm-hmm. My husband, my husband, just with everything our son was going through, wasn't a hundred percent on board with that. Um, however, when we started homeschooling, when I stopped working full time and became a full time homeschool mom, uh, my husband and I and my son just we prayed and talked, and we decided our family was ready to have a sibling for our son. So at the time, we were we went through foster. We did the the thirty hour maps training. Uh-huh. Uh, we were we were living in New York at the time, and we were you know getting ourselves ready to to adopt through foster care. And again, this is God's orchestration. Um, we came home one evening, uh, you know, shortly before we were finished with our training, and we received I received a Facebook message from our daughter's birth mother, who was uh, when we were living in Pennsylvania. She was our son's babysitter, my former flute student, she and her brother and sister were also adopted uh, from Mexico. And we were very close with their family when we lived in in our former neighborhood. So she messaged me and she said, Hey, you know, I, I reaching out to you. My mom said that you guys were interested in adopting. I just found out I'm eight weeks pregnant and I wanted to know if you would consider adopting my oh my gravy what and a connection I just fell on my knees and cried and prayed and wow. just thanked the lord and uh you know i came out of the bedroom and showed my tablet to my husband and our son was freaking out he thought something like a disaster was <laughs> happening and, and my husband just started crying and he knew this was it so uh, we were actually, we had a very opposite adoption with her. Like, you know, we visited her a few times. I was able to go to one of her OBGYN appointments. Hmm. Um, we found out she was a girl. And again, you know, God keeps his promises. And, right. And so uh, we actually, we gave our, our daughter a name. Um, to glorify God because she was our, you know, uh, almost 13 years later miracle. Um, Mm. She had a healthy, healthy birth. She did have colic, um, which, you know, is very difficult. Um, But she was born healthy. uh, You know, we knew her birth father, not as closely as her birth mother, but we knew her birth father and my husband actually has kept in touch with her birth father. And when we found out our daughter 
had a childhood absence epilepsy. We found out that actually ran in her birth father's family. So okay. um, with her adoption, we were there. I, I cut the umbilical cord. Um, mm. It was amazing. It was just, it re- I really feel like it was the Lord giving us another opportunity in a different way to be parents and um, much different. Um, adoption journey. Right. And I think I understand that because even in biological kids, like my very first child was, um, she's an Aspie and she, it was very difficult to comfort her when she was a baby. And so all of those things that I dealt with with her that I thought were normal when I had my second child, it was easy breezy compared to that. So I think, yeah, God gifts us with those things. But um, in our last minute here, since we're out of time, sorry, your daughter didn't get the time that your son got. <laughs> That's okay. Can you just tell people where they can find you? Sure, sure. So I'm uh, the podcast host, and my husband and I co-founded FASD Hope. Uh, you can go on to FASDHope.com and find us. You can also find our podcast on everywhere you find uh, your podcast. F-A-S-B Hope is the name of our podcast and our website. And uh, we just pray to be a resource for those families and caregivers and for everybody out there uh, to seek awareness about FASD, to hopefully point in the direction of resources, and most importantly, to give you hope and inspiration on your journey. Well, thank you for joining me this week. And we're going to finish up and make sure you join me next week when Natalie is going to share about her ministry on FASD. So thanks for joining me. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.